Hello and welcome to the CTF Sustainability Podcast Series. My name is Louise Chester and I work in the communications team at the Consumer Goods Forum. In this series, we take a deep dive into all things sustainability, from forced labor to plastics, deforestation, food waste and refrigeration. Today, I'm welcoming Veronica Puncheva back to the podcast. Veronica is the Global Director of Corporate Responsibility and Senior Vice President at Metro. She's also co-chair of the CGF's Human Rights Coalition, working to end forced labor. Veronica joins me today to talk about gender-based violence. It's such an important and complex topic that's so close to both of our hearts as women. It's also an issue that's unfortunately endemic in our industry's supply chains across the globe. The month of March is Women's History Month, and we wanted to use this platform this month to shine a light on an issue that's not often spoken about. So let's get started. Hello, Veronica. Thank you for joining me again today. It's always such a pleasure to speak to you. How are you doing? Well, wonderful. And thank you so much, Louise, for inviting me once more to talk about important topics which we at uh, CGF and the member companies uh, are finding at the moment uh, as uh, critical for our agenda. Yes, absolutely. So forced labor disproportionately affects women, but this we know. But why is this the case? Well, let me start probably with some numbers. We know, according to the ILO estimation, that 40 million people today are victims of modern slavery, including 25 million people in forced labor. And 70% of them are women. We also know that uh, women are disproportionately affected by forced labor, accounting for 99% of the victims in commercial sex industry, but also 58% in other sectors. We know also that the world population works to 60% in informal sectors. And in this informal sectors, there is not too much of legislative protection, protection at work or working conditions. And the majority of the informal workers in low and middle income countries are women. Unfortunately, we don't know that much on the reason why. And I would also say that if you look at the statistics only, we should definitely go in further depth in order to understand better what are the reason and what are in global supply chains, um, the details, why women are so deeply affected. And there are not that much of uh, detailed, independent and in-depth data there. Um, Most probably also one of the the reasons behind that is that um, uh, gender vulnerability and forced labor have been focused mostly, mostly on feminized industries, such as, for example, domestic care, sex work. Mm-hmm. There is more knowledge about what is happening there. But if you look into our industries, uh, in the consumer goods industry per se, there is not that much of detailed data and we don't know exactly what is happening there and why. Mm. So you just mentioned our industry, and I know that when we compare to other industries, we do know less um, about women in forced labour in the consumer goods sector. But there have been some recent articles and exposés that have come out and shone a light on uh, particular areas and commodities um, of our industry. So 
Are there areas where women are in particular danger? Yes, you're right. Uh, there was a, a recent uh, material about women in the palm oil sector and the consumer goods industry is very linked to the palm oil sector. But uh, I would probably uh, start with another industry or another supply chain, which is very important for the consumer goods industry and not necessarily seen as the most critical with regard to um, uh, issues related to, to gender, and this is cocoa. So the, the global cocoa supply chain is considered somehow male crop, maybe because the, the cocoa needs uh, more physical strength in the, in the process of production and, and harvesting. But research find that actually both men and women who are working within the global cocoa supply chain experience uh, uh, widespread labor exploitation. Um, and the, the dimension of it, whether it be forced labor or non-payment, underpayment, withholding payment, physical violence, verbal abuse, um, they are especially, especially difficult for women. We find that, for example, mm. women workers tend to experience more severe forms of labor exploitation within the cocoa industry than men. And that some business models are really configured to profit from women unequal position within the industry and society more, more broadly. Mm -hmm. And to, to coming back to the palm oil sector, um, in 2018, the Consumer Goods Forum published a report on forced labor risk in the palm oil supply chain in Indonesia and Malaysia, together with the Fair Labor Association. Um, and this report pointed some specific issues that women face in the palm oil. Because we know that female workers are engaged mainly in casual work, often uh, seasonal work, not permanent. They could be subject to worse condition among all palm oil workers. And uh, in, in this report, we, we've seen data that um, uh, female workers are mostly engaged in application of fertilizers, pesticides, uh, which are carrying considerable health risk. Or uh, another really difficult dimension of that report has highlighted that uh, um, women can be forced to grant sexual favors to get a job or to keep it. And as you can imagine, such kind of um, information is very difficult to cross because often women do not wish to share instances of sexual harassment with researchers. Um, and this makes the, the female work or the, the women who are working on the, on the fields in, in the industry uh, particularly exposed to very difficult conditions and uncertainty of work. Uh, again, I think I highlighted it's also linked to the seasonality of that, that work. Well, often right. harvesters are, and meal workers are employed more permanently. Um, so we can imagine that um, that's, uh, that's a highly present and, and risky territory for, for female workers. So you did speak there about some risks that women are more vulnerable to. There are, there are obviously so many more. Um, could, could we dig in a little bit more to some of those other risks? And maybe I wanted to ask you why, which, which, 
which of these risks do brands need to be more aware of and perhaps more sensitive to when they're designing their due diligence and mitigation approaches? Yeah, I think I would I would once again highlight that uh, women and girls are particularly vulnerable as migrant workers. Yes. Um, and we also know that they are cultural or local practices dimension which, which are important and companies need to be aware of the existence of some beliefs about women and girls' rights, about their education, about their ability to work, etc., uh, etc. Et and... Um, the reports on gender-based violence are also probably lower than the reality due to the fear of speaking up and possible retribution and cultural norms. So there, there must be really a very high level of sensitivity from, from the companies if they're serious about identifying and uh, mitigating this, this problematic. We also know, and it's, it's not only in, in Palm or in, in Coco, it's pretty much widespread, women workers often have added responsibility of childcare, of housework, it also puts extra pressure on them um, when we are talking about their efforts to keep and, and retain their, their jobs. And uh, if, if, we, if we talk about the risk, I would also highlight the, the Sustainable Supply Chain Initiative uh, at the Consumer Goods Forum, uh, which in its benchmark criteria is also trying to set the bar for monitoring programs in the way that they capture and conduct their audits or monitoring activities um, and define in the methodology not only number of workers, for example, to be interviewed, but also reflect of the wide range of workers and include potentially vulnerable workers. Because it's not enough to know what's, what's happening or to, to listen to, um, to the workers. It's also important that we have management systems to detect, identify, and, uh, and mitigate this, uh, this problematic. Um, I think SSCI will be able to, to help if, if we take this lens, uh, for example, also with requirements to ensure that workers are interviewed in confidential setting, also mm. the selection of workers considered that they are representative of the factory by, for example, by gender, by age, length of service, et cetera, et cetera. Or even sometimes, sometimes more simple uh, steps um, making sure that uh, the interviews with, uh, with the workers are also conducted by female researchers because they might feel more comfortable, female interviewers, they might feel more comfortable by sharing, mm -hmm. um, which is relevant. Uh, overall, my, my understanding is that today, not more than 30% of the cases do those which are identified end up with meaningful sanction for those who um, were involved in gender-based violence. And it shows that women are rightfully feeling not protected or no support enough. Mm, yes, absolutely. Um, so leading on from that, and I think I know the answer really to, uh, or I know what the answer should be to this next question. Um, I wanted to ask you about, you know, the business case for having a gendered approach to forced labor. Is there one? I would say there is most definitely one, but how would you sell that to, to businesses? What should they be doing? Well, I would say that, um, of course, there is a business case for having a gender approach to forced labor. And it's not only the right thing to do, it also the, um, 
one essential dimension which we should not forget is that women represent women represent 50% of the population. So they represent a sizable proportion of the global workforce. And in the same time, very sizable proportion of the global consumers and their purchasing power is generally growing. So if they're excluded from paid work due to forced labor, their purchasing power will reduce to nothing. And um, in the migrant workers where women represent a huge proportion, um, they're also sending huge amounts of, of money to their home countries. So if female workers are not paid, this is a huge amount of potential income and development potential in home countries, which is lost. So I, I believe that we need to have effective policies to address human rights impacts and understand the drivers of forced labor risk and uh, look for solutions to address it. So we also, as companies, need to understand the impact gender has on such kind of risks. So um, looking into um, the local context, local regulations, culture, language, um, it's important that if you want to effectively address forced labor, we integrate the gender lens in, in our work. Yes, yeah. it seems like an absolute no-brainer. So what specific actions do you think companies within our industry can, can take to address these gender issues? Well, I'm, I'm a big advocate for um, seeing women in leadership position. Yes. <laughs> I, I would say that having stronger representation of women in all management levels is also a step towards being more mindful and seeing more transparency and probably addressing some of the um, forced labor risk with the gender dimension. But what, of course, needs to happen the most is um, talk to the workers, make sure that we speak to the women who are at risk through different mechanisms, which we have uh, worker voice or others. We also have to raise awareness uh, in our businesses for both and women to reduce discrimination. And there is also need to integrate also better um, understanding of women's work in production and reproduction in the family life which go together and they also create some kind of disproportionate vulnerability to exploitation with the global supply chains. Um, understanding these realities should help us to shed a light on the whole workforce and understand better the causes. Because if the work environment is better for the women, it's also better for the men. So there is only a win-win um, scenario here. Uh, understanding the cultural norms are, it's, it's essential. We have to also make sure that they are considered in order to ensure female safety. Thank you, Veronica. Yes, I like what you said there about if it's a safer, if it's a better environment for women, it's also a better environment for men. I think that gets lost sometimes, but it's absolutely true. So finally, do, do you have a call to action that you would like to share um, to our industry? Yeah. Yeah, oh, well, thank you for that, Louise, because I, I think we there is a call to action and uh, we, we all need to listen more to women. We have to speak to women in our workforce, include them in representat representative roles, be it at board level, trade union level, government level, uh, because this representation is very important to ensure that business policies and solutions are well designed and effectively implemented. And in the context of our human rights due diligence framework, 
we should also include the gender lens. So this is something where I believe the Human Rights Coalition of Action working to enforce labor will be very open and uh, it's, uh, it will be a step in the right direction. So my final question for you today, Veronica, is what are your hopes for women in this world as we look towards the future? Yeah, indeed, it's uh, it's the month of March. Uh, and in March, we usually talk more about women than in the other months of the year. And I believe that in our industry, especially in the last 12 months, we have seen much more transparently the role of women both in, in the business, but also at home. And I'm actually optimistic that uh, we'll be able to design a better environment for our workforce, um, more with, with more equity, more, uh, more understanding, more sensitivity, and a more inclusive uh, workforce environment. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Veronica. I'm very happy to have had this conversation with you today on such an important topic. I too feel optimistic, but there is quite a lot of work that remains to be done, I think. Thank you very much, Louise, for the good conversation. If you would like to find out more about the Consumer Goods Forum and our work on forced labour, you can visit our website at www.theconsumergoodsforum.com. If you enjoyed this episode, please do subscribe to the podcast for more episodes coming very shortly. Thank you and bye for now.